Digital Marketing Radio, episode 108. What are the latest trends in SEO? DigitalMarketingRadio.com I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, weekly interviews with online marketing gurus. Catch up with all their previous episodes at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain Today I'm joined by Michael Fleshner. Michael, welcome to DMR. Thanks so much, David. So great to talk to you. Well, it's wonderful for um, you to be here and also um, for you to uh, introduce me a couple of minutes ago to Periscope. You know, that was an interesting thing. So <laughs> thanks for doing that. Uh, so check out that. I'm sure I can include a link to that uh, within the show notes, can't I? Yeah, absolutely. And I hope, you know, when Periscope is like the, the next big app, you say, yeah, I remember that guy Michael Fleischner had me on there back in 2015 Right. And it'll seem like years and years ago. But, uh, you know, as marketers, we always got to stay on top of the latest technology. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, Michael has appeared on Today Show, ABC World News, Bloomberg Radio and other major media like Digital Marketing Radio. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's also author of SEO Made Simple and you can find him over at BigThinSolutions.com. So, Michael, is it possible to practice SEO nowadays as a silo platform? Or in 2015, is it always necessary to practice integrated digital marketing? Yeah, that's such a great question, David, because you know I've been in this market for over 10 years, focusing not just exclusively on SEO, but primarily on SEO, search engine optimization. And that has morphed and changed. And today, when we talk about SEO, it's impossible to talk about traditional SEO in and of itself, you do have to think about content marketing, you have to think about your social media accounts, uh, as well as some of the traditional things. Um, But even those have changed, right? Now it's about local optimization and mobile, uh, you know, being multi-platform, multi-device with responsive design, um, so on and so forth. So to answer your question, no, SEO is really more than just traditional SEO. It is uh, cross-disciplinary and really touches almost every aspect of marketing uh, that you can think of. So you listed quite a few different areas there of online marketing, um, but is it really realistic for a specialist SEO to be aware fairly comprehensively of of so many different disciplines? Mm. You know, it is, I don't know that it's reasonable, but it's necessary. Mm. And what I have found in my background, you know, I'm a traditional uh, marketing person, right? I I went to college for marketing and grad school for integrated marketing before it was popular. Uh, You know, I've had a lot of different roles from public relations to digital, uh, to advertising and media buying. And that experience, I think, is what helped me um, navigate through all of these changes. And I think a lot of the people coming up, especially some of the younger digital marketers, they kind of grow up in this space. So to them, it's not all that foreign. But people who are, you know, older, so to speak, who maybe were focused on a single discipline are definitely having a harder time adjusting to it. Um, They can do it, but it takes a little more work. So um, over the last couple of years, there's been some significant changes with SEO. Google seems to come up with a new update every month or so now, just about. We've come through Hummingbird. We've had um, Penguin and Panda and different versions of that. 
and and more recently we've mm-hmm. of, of course ha- had mobile geddon um what would you That's say funny. is is the most significant thing that has had the biggest impact on seo over the last couple of years or so mm. you know i think what's had the biggest impact was actually google starting to crack down on a lot of these fishy links uh coming from third-party sites and they could have been you know, link directories or link farms or link wheels, because for a long time, it really was all about the authority that other sites are passing to you. And it still is today. But, you know, as part of Penguin 1.0, a little bit and more of 2.0, the significant shift was around penalizing those third party sites. And a lot of websites that had been up to uh, no good to try to acquire these links by purchasing them or doing link swaps or all these other tricks we used to do as SEOs, they really got hit hard. And then they introduced the disavow links tool that allowed site owners to uh, start to essentially tell Google they didn't want the link juice positive, negative, or neutral other sites. And that really had a tremendous impact. And I think even with mobile, even with local, all those changes, that one significant event really took its toll on a lot of businesses. Uh, I was actually listening to a uh, podcast this morning and the gentleman there uh, was talking about his business and the impact that the changes in pay-per-click marketing had on his revenue really from, you know, one day he was making $700 a day and he said he went to 25 or 30 a day because Google changed their PPC algorithm. Mm. So it's not just happening in SEO, right? And it kind of speaks to your earlier issue around a more global integrated approach uh, to marketing. You really need to be aware of what's going on. Yes. Yeah. And I was just reflecting back to the days about 10 years ago or so when I was making a significant amount of money each month um, through Google AdSense and just through easy SEO and ranking different um, pages for very, well, what would be very competitive keyword phrases now. And the the, the, the game, yeah. if you can call it, that has, has changed just so incredibly much. Um, one thing that yeah. you mentioned there was disavow, a disavow the disavow tool that um, Google brought in. Um, it is, mm-hmm. of course, a tool that um, can do a lot of potential damage as well as good. Um, do you advise the majority of businesses that have concerns about their link profiles to use disavow or do you think it's a tool that only people who really know what they're doing with it should be using i would think the latter in the sense that um you that it's more of an advanced technique but the reason why i encourage really any business to learn more about it and and the more you discover it's actually pretty simple to implement and use if you know how to do it and one of the recommendations I make to the people who you know are reading my book or, or reading my blog or visiting my sites is around this idea of really understanding your link profile and your link partners. And as part of that, uh, there's a tool out there. I believe you could probably purchase like a one-time use of this. I, I quite honestly, I'm, I don't know what it costs anymore. I want to say it's probably like seventy or eighty dollars. But Kemper with a C, C E M P E R. Uh, They have a tool called Link Detox, and essentially what it will do is it will crawl your site. It'll look at all of these inbound links, and it will essentially rate those links and tell you which ones are potentially not good. And you can load that all into a disavow links tool. In fact, I think one of the latest updates they did, 
it'll export it into a disavow uh, file that you can just upload to webmasters webmaster tools on Google and you're done. Um, and again, this process is relatively simple if you know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, let's say uh, an entire website as opposed to you know some pages on a particular website, it could impact you negatively. Um, so there are different things to think about with the disavow link link tool, but I, I definitely recommend people learn more about it. Okay, great. Okay, well, that seems like a great tool. So I'll include um, a link to that within the show notes to this episode at digitalmarketingradio.com. Um, but you, you mentioned links quite a bit there. You, you say that in the past, um, people can could get away with actually building up low-quality links to their website and, and ranking fairly effectively by doing that. But now, of course, they could potentially even get um, penalized or uh, not ranked as high um, for doing that. Um, is link building still um, a, an activity that the majority of SEOs should be doing now? Or should um, the main activities be focusing on the quality of the site, the speed of the site, the architecture, and then arranging for high quality relevant content to be published as well? I, I believe that people should still be link building, but not as a singular discipline like you referred to earlier in the broadcast. It really is not an activity you do anymore. It's an activity that you integrate into other things that you're doing. And a great example of this is I recently gave a presentation at a university uh, here in New Jersey, and they actually posted the presentation online. They asked me if it was OK. I said, absolutely. Um, but what I did was because I'm mindful of the importance of link building and doing it correctly, that I said, could you please link back to me using this anchor text and linking to this particular page of my website? And they did just that. And to me, that's link building, even though they offered the link around some content that they thought would be appropriate for their audience. I still was involved. I still directed it. And to me, that's how link building has changed. It's not, hey, I'm going to go out and uh, start listing my site on all these worthless directories just to get the backlinks. Uh, it really is, OK, if I'm doing social, if I'm creating content, if I've gotten all these other things right that you talked about page load speed and you know is your site easily crawled and you've worked out your your domains and your metadata and a gazillion other things related to seo and now you're looking at link building or really the content plan that you have you need to think about what role links play in that overall plan mm. and it also emphasizes that integrated integrated marketing is absolutely paramount now um, because a, a lot of big companies will have big marketing departments and some people within those marketing departments uh, will be in charge of PR or um, offline relationships with companies and perhaps they'll arrange things like um, flyers or, or physical banners in different places when they could at the same time and probably for the same price um, also arrange for articles and, and links back to your website but there's not that integrated thinking that is going on in too many of these big type departments. Absolutely and I mean I saw that last year I was uh, in conversation with Intuit uh, which does QuickBooks and a number of other uh, products software products very large company they had a dedicated SEO person uh, who just didn't play well with others. And unfortunately, that impacted them negatively overall because of all these things that you're referring to. Really, the, the integrated marketing approach, um, 
focusing on trade-offs where perhaps money used to go towards one discipline and now it really needs to be spread across multiple disciplines or reallocated. And that takes somebody who can kind of understand the overall strategy and the tactics more or less take care of themselves if you're kind of pointing the ship in the right direction. What um, things do you advise companies in terms of quick wins, actually, regarding SEO? Because um, a lot of businesses obviously still have um, fairly poor websites. And perhaps they're, they're loading slowly. Maybe they're just not opt- optimized on-site at all. And they're not taking advantage of existing equity and and and, and link, link, links simply because of their own sites are there any simple on-site wins that you can generalize and say to people make sure these three or four things are absolutely right and um if you're doing that correctly then that's the best starter point absolutely and i think and i'm going to answer that question in two ways directly which is on page what I find even companies that are larger businesses, maybe they're spending, you know, I'll give you an example. I was recently doing some work for a company uh, by the name of InStyler. They make products for, for women and hair and, and uh, actually they have some men's products as well. But this company in particular is spending tens of thousands of dollars online on advertising, yet they haven't implemented meta tags or done the keyword necessary Uh, to really optimize pages with the proper metadata. And for those who are not as familiar with that, that would be your title tags and description tags on your pages. And um, I guess you can never assume that just because a company is is large, they spend a lot of money on advertising, maybe they even have somebody in a digital role, that these things are being taken care of. And, you know, I feel like that's really the first order of business. And you, you rattled off quite a few things as it relates to on-page optimization, but certainly having the right metadata. And um, I was going to say two parts because I feel like that really leads into the importance of analytics. And you would be shocked if I told you the name of some companies that I've worked with, uh, which unfortunately I can't do, that I went in there and they just they didn't have Google Google Analytics installed. They weren't using an SEO tool like Moz. Um, they didn't even have a webmaster's account or know what that was. So I feel that those things, which to me are, they're, they're on-site, but they're also off-site because you're using in in kind of a, you know, one-step rem- one step removed type fashion. And it's so important, yet companies aren't doing it. Uh, whether you're a small business owner or you're literally a billion-dollar corporation, uh, the basic blocking and tackling has to start with your on-page analysis, which could include a lot of different things, not just uh, you know metadata, as well as that that analytical piece, because that's going to give you the insight you need to make those short-term wins or improvements that are most meaningful. I certainly hear what you're saying regarding being shocked or amazed at what certain big companies do or aren't doing with their SEO because I've been involved with um, um, assisting or consulting to different um, big companies regarding SEO as well and it's just phenomenal um, the quick wins that they could be making but for whatever reason they haven't and and there are some situations where they just can't even make those changes because they don't have control over um, their CMS or just just anything to do with getting access to their server. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did some work for uh, Lennox China last year, and that's a really large uh, business just kind of focused on uh, multiple channels because they're selling their 
their dinnerware and their silverware and all that stuff into retailers uh, in one channel. And they're also selling online direct and they're selling through affiliates. They have all these different channels and everything was somewhat compartmentalized. And um, the leadership there realized that that was a real block to moving things forward. So that particular story has a happy ending because they basically rebuilt the website in more of an open platform that gave all the teams access that they needed to. But that's definitely one of the biggest problems that I see with a lot of these companies is either the technology, the content management system is dated and won't allow certain things, or there are just so many um, server related issues and things are not really all in one place. And that does create problems. And I've seen it many, many times, but I think it's getting better. I mean, do you, do you feel the same? Are you starting to see, I guess, some of these more um, open source platforms kind of lessening the issue? I think it's getting better, but quite slowly for some really big organizations. Um, mm. I, I, I think the really big organizations are too scared um, to embrace too many open source technologies. Um, they're probably less likely to be using a CMS like WordPress and more likely to be using a .NET or um, some other proprietary based CMS. Um, and that CMS generally is less likely to be updated um, with things like responsive design or maybe RSS feeds. It, it, that tends to make it more challenging in, in my experience, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I would argue, too, that many of those CMS systems have updates or upgrades available, but the company either doesn't want to pay for it or they don't feel, you know, the urge, uh, the immediacy of making those those improvements. So I agree with you. Absolutely. Now, you also mentioned meta tags, metadata. You, you talked about title tags and descriptions. Um, of course, you didn't mention the keywords meta tag. Um, that's something that was popular and um, used by many websites years ago. But um, I'm still finding it used quite a bit by different websites. Um, now, it's generally perceived that Google just don't count that at all. Maybe very small search engines might. What's your mm -hmm. position on the keywords meta tag? You know, it's interesting because I think I've gone back and forth. I don't bother with keywords, um, but as as early as maybe towards the middle of last year, um, I was still considering them as an option. I always thought that Google didn't necessarily rely on them for rankings, but it definitely relied on those keywords for quality score of uh, from an SEO perspective. But um, I think the algorithm has gotten so sophisticated that it's just it, it's really not worth the time, especially if you're coding lots and lots of pages to fill in keywords. I mean, if people are using keywords, if you want to put two or three keywords in there, I don't think it's going to hurt anything, David. But I don't know that it's really worth the time because there's no direct benefit from an SEO perspective. Okay, and, and now probably the most difficult question about SEO, and that is, um, how do you think SEO is likely to change in the future? You know, over the last few years, we've seen so many different changes. Um, can you possibly begin to imagine of um, what changes might occur over the next couple of years and how that might impact people who are practicing SEO as a profession? Yeah, uh, well, I can definitely uh, predict a couple of things that are coming down the pike simply because Google has announced them. 
And of course, I'm wearing a, an online marketing hat, an SEO hat, and think about it in that way. For example, Google just announced yesterday or the day before that individuals who are using Google Chrome, when they do a search, will be able to buy directly from organic search results. Okay, so when a when a search result comes up, there will be a little buy button. You'll click it, and boom, you're you know in, in a shopping cart with an item loaded. Let's say at Amazon. I'm not or or whatever Google Pay or whatever that platform is going to be. I don't know exactly how that's going to play out, but what that says to me from an SEO perspective is that Google is going to start to look at additional behavioral data around your keywords, your rankings. Um, really the search result page to even further customize circles. And of course, that's going to have an impact on the larger picture of where your keywords rank and how much traffic you get, so on and so forth. And I think that's going to be one of the more significant changes. But again, with Google, even though we talk about all of these significant uh, algorithm updates that they do, it really has been an evolution of the same thing. They're always focused on creating a great user experience for people. And I think this is just a continuation of that and really getting in front of people with what they what they want and need. The other area that I think is going to change a little bit really is this, this evolution of um, integrated marketing. Things like we were talking earlier when, when I had you on Periscope, Periscope those technologies, those apps, the social media, the sharing, the posting, the interacting, the liking, you know, the, the plus whatever, um, all those things, I, I think like that train has left the station and it is not slowing down. And I believe that behind the scenes, Google is really doing more to integrate that into their ranking algorithm. And that's why we've seen changes around, you know, Google plus one. And, um, you know, initially they were looking solely at Facebook and now Twitter's come into the fold. I believe they're, they're looking at Instagram and Pinterest and really all of these other sites because it speaks to that engagement factor. And uh, that's what they're gonna look at. So I think those two things in particular, um, re which really both kind of talk about behavioral measurements and engagement are going to have more of an impact on organic search results. And as a result, it means we as business owners and people with websites have to make our content more engaging, more sticky, and we have to do a better job of getting people there. And it also comes down to conversion rates and user experience on the website as well, because um, that will be part of SEO moving forward. Because if you're not giving users a good experience then obviously they'll be leaving the, your site and that will end up in actually giving a, a very negative signal to google absolutely absolutely that's a good point and quite honestly um you know google there are things google tells us and google doesn't tell us but we know that engagement statistics go beyond just the click on the search result page now again i don't know what they're doing with with sites that have uh, ga or google analytics installed um, but you can rest assured that if people are clicking through to your site and, you know, you've got a 90% bailout rate, Google's not going to continue sending traffic your way. Okay, and I'll quickly finish off this first section of our discussion, actually, with a question that um, bloggers, um, many bloggers that are trying to SEO their titles like to ask at least once a year, and that's, will SEO ever die? 
SEO will never die, but it will certainly continue to change. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, well, let's segue into the second section for discussion. So that focuses more on your thoughts on where digital marketing has been in general and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Google Analytics, and I would also throw in their Moz, specifically from an SEO perspective. Um, but in terms of, um, I consider them tools. Uh, those are really important to me. And uh, Hootsuite is important from a social media perspective. And a slightly more challenging question, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you've meant to try at some point in the near future? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't know that I'm not using any software that I would use. I know that where I'm mostly interested now is kind of in the evolution of uh, some of the platforms that are out there around uh, some traditional marketing things that have now gone digital. For example, one of the things we're looking at most recently are online referral programs. And I'm not talking about a traditional affiliate program or a piece of software like an iDev affiliate. I'm talking about more of like the B2B market. So when I consult with these businesses and they say, hey, you know, our best leads are referrals and referrals are down. Now there's there are a number of digital platforms that have really kind of expanded in that area. And uh, those are pretty interesting to me. Yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to multi-touch attribution getting a little bit more clever and actually being able to pinpoint which paths on a customer's visit towards your website are actually the the most impactful in terms of that customer making a decision to purchase. Yeah, data attribution is really a big thing now. Um, you know, the concept of big data is is you know growing and important. Uh, but that you know that is a really interesting thing to solve, especially as we start to use more uh, lead sources to basically get people into our funnels. I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back in the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Mm. Well, I think part of it was a mindset when I started out in business. I think uh, I underestimated the value of partnerships and really trying to find people who were aligned with my business goals. If I could have done it differently, I think I would have um, really done more live events and pushed myself out there to meet other digital marketers. I think I was very much in my shell when I started and that held me back in hindsight. I think a lot of people are like that. I mean, the, the genre has changed so much, even in the last five years or so uh, ago. Because, I mean, if you just think about it, the, the iPhone was only invented maybe, what, seven or so years ago. And, um, and now you've got, um, you've got iTunes, you've got distribution of video and, and podcasting, you've got live events via Google Hangouts, and all these things just didn't exist. So it's, it's, it's maybe just easier to do it now. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. And I think people are just more comfortable um, being themselves, right? I, I think people just in general are waking up to the fact that no one's perfect. People want to tune into you for who you are, right? For who you are and what you value and what's important uh, to you. So I think all of that is really helping us uh, but it is definitely breaking down some of the walls of traditional marketing. I just read an article recently. I think it was uh, Forbes. Um, I may have posted to my uh, LinkedIn feed because it was so interesting around the concept of micro marketing. 
it's it's kind of like you know micro commitments when you think about um, uh, online funnels. But micro marketing today means that people are not sitting in front of a TV for hours watching commercials. You know, they're checking their Twitter feed. Um, they're on Periscope doing live feeds with their friends. They're checking out Facebook or or reading online. And all those um, micro marketing uh, types of events are what shapes people's perspectives of the brand or the product or the service that they're interested in. The this or that round. Okay, this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions, just two rows here. Try not to think about the answer too much, and you're only allowed to say the word both okay. on one occasion. So, ready to go? Oh. <laughs> Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? I got to go with SEO on that one. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? Both. Social subscriber or email... (laughs) Social subscriber or email subscriber? I would go with email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Local marketing. Yay! Nice. <laughs> Probably the, the, the answer that um, intrigued me most was uh, you went for affiliates, actually, over display advertising. And uh, most people are probably thinking about retargeting um, a little bit more now than affiliates. Um, so is affiliate marketing something that you're still actively using quite successfully at the moment? Mm-hmm. So, so the answer to that is yes. I still believe in affiliate marketing and it really kind of ties into what I was talking about earlier with regard to relationships. And today, I think the evolution is if, if you had a really strong sales letter and you could convince people to buy, they would buy. Today, it really doesn't work that way. It's more about who they associate with and the decisions that that individual or that group think is making. And, you know, I would say that, you know, people who are following you, David, and, and you know, the digitalmarketingradio.com, you know, uh, content and uh, interactions, whether they're the Hangouts or the video playback or whatever you're publishing on your site, if you were to make a recommendation like, hey, you know, of all the things, this is one thing I use that I work, to me, that's what an affiliate relationship does, um, as opposed to display advertising, which is really a billboard that people are going to see. And at some point, you know, if you're remarketing to them 12 or 15 times over 12 or 15 sessions, they're going to tune you out. And, uh, you know, traditionally with banner advertising, the click-through rates, as you know, were just so dismal- dismally low um, that people went back to kind of the traditional text ads um, and then they supplemented it with Google Display Network and and other things that we're still using today. So that's why I feel that affiliate is so powerful because uh, people who have a real relationship with their audience, they have that trust and that that is really expensive to buy online. You can get there, but it's gonna take a lot of exposures, um, a lot of clicks, a lot of uh, people falling out of different uh, parts of your funnel before you you really build that trust and get the people to take that next step. 
So essentially the takeaway is affiliate marketing still works, but now it's not about just getting your banner on thousands of sites and um, distributing what you do through um, a big third-party network. Um, It's about that one-to-one relationship that you have with a partner, a a prospective partner, and um, getting them to trust and like your product and promoting it because they like it themselves. And then obviously they get the commission and and that's still affiliate marketing. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the $10,000 question. So if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? I would, I would, I don't know if you've ever had the, the question answered this way, but I would actually split it into two investments, okay. $5,000 each. The first investment would be in technology. You know, a, a back-end technology to enhance a website, maybe it's development of a membership site or a really fantastic um, affiliate platform that I could use to help market and promote my services. So so half of it would be spent kind of on the digital side um, uh, of technology. And then the other half I would use to either... Um, build an audience for a webinar because I think webinars still convert extremely well, or I throw the money into a source that I know is productive for me. Uh, For example, Facebook ads, because, you know, if you know your marketing and you know what's working, that's obviously where you want to put your money. So for me, if it was like, you know, a uh, $10,000 check from you, I would probably break it into technology a little bit. And then I take the other five grand and put it directly into advertising to help grow the business. Okay, and advertising to test and learn to um, further decide which advertising platform is the best because um, you can't just lump everything into the one network and um, and know that that's the best. You have to con- continually keep on testing. Uh, I guess that's your point as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, with certain products or certain offerings. Um, you know, we know what already works. The only cap is either budget, right? Or, you know, uh, kind of taking the caps off and there's not enough traffic. And I, I think with certain things you, that would work. Um, and with other things you do need to experiment, you do need to try new things. In fact, I was talking to, uh, Ty Cohen, um, from Kindle Cashflow, uh, just the other day, and he was doing a periscope on sources that are working for him today. And he told me that one of the best sources are local newspapers, like the little newspaper you get. I don't know if you guys have them over where you are, yeah. but like you go for your morning cup of coffee and there's a little town paper there with classifieds in the back. And he said, surprisingly, you could run ads in there for $30 a week. And he's selling a course at $497. So all he has to do is sell one course in a month and he's more than made his money back. And he told me that that it is very profitable for him. So, you know, to your point, not only do you want to test kind of the sources that you're familiar with, but you want to put a little money aside to test things that you may, you know, they may work, they may not work, but you wouldn't know unless you tried it. That's um, a great point. And it kind of brings us back to our original discussion because um, we started with SEO and talking about how SEO isn't just silo by itself it's um integrated into other digital marketing activities but it's saying now that um, digital marketing isn't silo either it needs to be integrated into offline marketing activities yeah and i see that more and more especially in the b2b market 
you know, it, it really is traditional integrated marketing communications, meaning that money's being spent offline to drive people online. Now, as a discipline, I've always learned that it's easier to get people who are online to take action online. And I still believe that, but I also think some of that offline marketing, those offline dollars should be designed to continue the experience that somebody has online, um, especially around the area of like customer retention. And I know we're kind of uh, venturing away from SEO, but we really aren't because if you've really optimized your site and you're generating traffic and that traffic converts, once somebody's a customer, uh, they don't always just bookmark your site and go back to it. They may go to Google and Google your site. And they may be doing that to access your um, customer portal or a coupon or something of that nature. And because of that, you really do need to think about the offline online connection in, this, in the uh, context of user experience. And I think you mentioned user experience really early on in the broadcast because it, it is so vital today. My number one takeaway. Well, Michael, you've offered a whole lot of great advice in our conversation, but what would you say is the number one takeaway? Just the single most important thing that our listeners can take away and implement within their own businesses. I would say always be learning. There's so much happening and so much changing so rapidly. We really didn't get into all the details around SEO, but you know, an SEO example would, would be local and mobile. And um, the way you optimize for local is very different, not very, but somewhat different from how you would optimize for, let's say, global reach. And if you're always learning and you're always interested and curious, that will really help your business be successful. There's so much to talk about. You know, I feel that we've covered a lot today and you've offered a lot of value, but um, uh, taking us um, way past the half hour mark, you know, so um, perhaps you'll have to come back on <laughs> at some point in the future again. That would be wonderful. I appreciate you, David. You know that I appreciate uh, Digital Marketing Radio and, uh, you know, your content is really second to none. And uh, the fact that you can get so many um, visible uh, marketers to your show is really a testament uh, to what you've done. So congratulations. It's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time and your uh, advice as well. Um, what's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Uh, thanks. I would say uh, follow me on Twitter at M Fleischner. That's M-F-L-E-I-S-C-H-N-E-R. And I would love for you guys to join the discussion. You know, go out to uh, myseomadesimple.com uh, forward slash community is a good place to start. Um, you know, we talk about SEO and other topics there, um, but uh, definitely feel free to reach out and uh, let me know how I can help. Great stuff. And I'll include links to all of those resources of your own in uh, the show notes as well at digitalmarketingradio.com. Great. Okay. Well, and thank you for joining us, dear listener, as well. Um, if you like what you heard, I'd really appreciate your feedback. Uh, just go to digitalmarketingradio.com slash iTunes and please leave an honest rating and review. It would really help with our own rankings in iTunes. And um, if you like what you heard, um, then it would give you a great opportunity to Tell me what you thought, and I'll certainly read every um, review that you put on there. And finally, I'm also now hosting a brand new show every Friday called This Week in Organic. So head over to thisweekinorganic.com to find out more. So that's all for now. Until we meet again, adios, and thank you again, Michael. Thank you, David.